0: Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Biki. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 38 of season 3 of This Osteopathic Life. If you have been following along with me, you'll know that we are on day 11 in this 11th month, 11-11 here today, in the daily podcast adventure, where we are completing a podcast each day in the month of November. And I've upped the recording time today. The last few evenings, it has been quite late. And I wanted to make sure this came in with a midday energy. And it also happens to be my wedding anniversary today. And so putting this in in a time in the midst of the day so that the evening is freer in other ways to celebrate with my husband and with my family. I'm also going to pause the programming that we have been in for these past three episodes. We are making our way through the activation process, which is the curriculum, the foundation, the core components of the osteopathic life and the content of the upcoming book. In quarter one of 2022, and we have made it through the first six assess and acknowledge, awaken and allow, accept and appreciate those have come out in couplets in the previous three episodes, and we have six more to go, and that will come through in three more episodes. But as we're on this particular day and at this midway point, it's often a great time to pause and reflect. If you haven't listened to those episodes, I encourage you to go back and do so and to offer up your experience. Share with me on social media via email at thisosciopathiclife at gmail.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Find those mediums that resonate with you and share with me what's come through as you have experienced and explored those different concepts. We're going to resume and start moving through them again with number seven tomorrow on episode 39 on day 12 of this podcast adventure. But today we're going to take a pause and we're going to explore this experience of anniversaries and the commemoration celebration that goes with it. And I love that automatically those C words come up. We're also going to look at the five C's. And this is a component of the curriculum. So it's still in line with the experience of the activation process, but in a slightly different way. So let's begin first with this experience of the anniversary. And I'll share with you the beginnings and where we are now. And you could call it the messy middle, right? We could say that, and we could look at the different arcs, but sometimes in that space of life, you might classify us in that stage, in that season, In marriage and family development, and that could be seen as problematic or offensive, or just the reality of it. There are a lot of moving parts, there are a lot of loose ends, and that can sometimes feel a little chaotic, a little overwhelming. And it's also okay for it to feel that way. And there's also room within there to celebrate the experience. So, we are on year 17. This is the 17th year commemorating our wedding day and eleven eleven was the original day and date that we began dating a few years prior to our wedding and actually I shared this story today on my own social media page our original plan because we are beach-oriented people as you might have noticed right looking at the swim challenge with me and we wanted to get married on the beach very early on it was in South Africa my husband's homeland, and we realized the time and the finances just were not there in the midst of medical school in order to make that happen. So we thought a summertime beach wedding in Traverse City, Michigan, which had always been a favorite place for us, would be great. And so we wanted to keep 11 in there somewhere, and we aimed for August 11th. That seemed reasonable. And then in this time and timing of the universe in the grand plans that existed beyond our control, the visas didn't come through. So because he was coming from a different country and the way in which we were navigating those steps, we didn't get the visa in time for an August wedding. And so we thought, well, what would be a reasonable end line for having this wedding on the beach here in Northwest Michigan. That window was closing, although you could say it could be at any time, right? You could have a winter wedding on the beach, should you choose. And knowing now the polar plunge affinity my husband has, maybe there was some potential possible foreshadowing there. But in that space and time, we were picturing a sunny and warm beach wedding, knowing you can't control that even in typically sunny, warm places. It could be cold. It could be rainy. But in any case, that was our hope and dream for that time. And we looked ahead and thought, well, this is an opportunity, and we could look at that. What's the gift of this? Not being able to maintain the date we'd originally planned actually allowed us to maintain what was probably our ideal date and keeping that eleven eleven in the mix. And we could talk about the specialness of that number for all kinds of different reasons, but it was a commemoration already for us, and so it was a simplification of that process. And actually, our engagement date was so close was actually on the birthday of my best friend in medical school just a few days prior out of necessity, again, for international travel. And so the visas came through, and once they do, you have 90 days. So you have a relatively narrow window, and you could, of course, simply have a legal wedding and then the celebratory wedding. But we wanted to make it all happen on that day, which happened to be a Thursday in that year. And as a reminder, I was a second year medical student and we had exams all the time and getting permission to not be present. You know, could be quite tricky, but we found the window and we were going to make it happen. And through the graciousness of my sister, who at the time lived down in Miami We thought, well, there's a beach space that's pretty reliable and actually maybe ideal in November for a wedding, a little beyond hurricane season, still quite warm, but not overwhelmingly hot. And so that was the plan. And we managed to convene our families, mine a little easier on the domestic side, his from the UK, but also perhaps a little easier because it was on that side of the country. And we convened there on a Thursday and... My husband went down earlier to be with his family for a longer interval, and I literally had this window on Tuesday night after exams to fly out. And I went to pick up my wedding dress the day prior, and it hadn't yet been hemmed, and this was by no means a particularly fancy or expensive dress, although for a medical student budget, was relatively cost-intensive at the same time. Time it needed some simple hemming, and when I picked it up, it had, still had push pins in the hem. They made it happen because I was leaving the next day, and my sister and her boyfriend joined me. And I can distinctly remember right, running late because I had been in school all day and packing things up and running through the Detroit airport. You know, we drove from Lansing, where I was in school, to the Detroit airport. I stopped my car and said, Could someone just park this for me, thinking there's going to be sudden ballet at the airport there? And we ran, and thankfully, all of us runners at the time in running shoes, to our gates. My sister's boyfriend almost lost his dissertation at the gate. We reclaimed it. You we know we're trying to keep this wedding dress from getting crumpled. And I don't even think it was crumpleable, actually, the material that it was. And we made it. And we made it. We had one day to get everything arranged, food, chairs, beverages. And I decided I would like to have my hair done on my wedding day and knocked on windows on the morning of the wedding, and it all came together. There was one moment around the flowers, I can recall, that was a bit stressful. But in many ways, it was quite nice to have it compressed into this 48-hour experience. And this is my retelling. Others who were there might have a totally different perspective on it. And I want to extend gratitude to all of our family members and friends who were present, which happened to be, including us, 11 male and 11 female guests on the day. So fancy that, on 11-11, there were 22 of us gathered in that space, but for making it all come together and everyone stepped into their strengths and the food was amazing and the music was fantastic and the space and setting were beautiful and the photography was all contributed by the individuals who were present. There was no formal photographer minus the one incidental German tourist in a speedo who knelt and took the picture of all of us. So we could all be in the picture as we didn't have tripods or timers with us at that point in time. And it all, came together beautifully. My uncle was the master of ceremonies. He also married my parents 40 years prior to that. And there were a lot of beautiful moments there. And I returned home in order to return to school. My husband was able to stay with his family for an extended vacation. And so it was, and that day was marked in the sand. So interestingly, right? And it was commemorated by the combining of sands from all of our different spaces and places and the contribution from our different families to be intermixed, to be combined, and still some distinct elements. You can see the different layers and colors of the sand that came from South Africa and from Poland and from England and from Michigan, all the places where he had been, and also could see where it was intermixing in this container. And We've been back to Miami for my 30th birthday. There was a commemorative moment there. And I actually returned with my sisters previously. But we have been at the beach that was the site of the originally intended date and location. Now, nearly daily, right, for these past few years. And we didn't live in this part of Michigan before when we were married. This was a destination, a vacation space. And now we live where we had intended to celebrate and commemorate our union. And so we have the opportunity to do so on a regular basis. And I think about that in the act of anniversary, which really means the annual recurrence of some significant event. And that means once a year we can celebrate that. And certainly there is the invitation to reflect upon it more than just in that annual recurrence. For the annual commemoration because the actual day and date is not happening but the day and date in that following year and the next year and so on and so forth is occurring again and what I think about with that is why limit ourselves to once a year being the way in which we honor that moment and you might think well if we celebrate every day then it loses its allure and I think about does it does honoring the goodness of something make it less beautiful, less meaningful? And I would say let's operate from potentially no that it can actually amplify and increase the value of it. Now you might not have a massive party every day or a destination trip or a renewal of vows every day. Perhaps not all of those kind of big external celebrations, but commemorating it on a more regular basis can absolutely be and add to the meaning of that moment. And for us, it often comes in the 11-11, showing up on the clock in a simple text at that time, the 11th of each month, whenever that number appears. And what I would like to bring forward from this and this experience we had today was remembering that, that while we're not walking on the beach in Miami, regularly and routinely, we are walking on the shore of the space where the original plan was. And while it was absolutely perfect, how it played out the space and the place and the time and the timing, and that it does have this specialness in this destination capacity is so beautiful. And I absolutely wouldn't change that at all to reflect and say, well, this was, this is a space that we deemed worthy of hosting this union and this commemoration, this particular event. And we get to visit it regularly in celebrating that shoreline, which has held so many special memories for me in the swim challenge, in that daily meditation, to see it, welcome it, invite it, embrace it, allow it to embrace me as also a space that can be an honoring of that union to recognize it was standing on the shore in this special place alongside the water that we took vows and voiced that commitment and those nearest and dearest to us were witnesses to that event and that it is accessible to me each and every day adds to the specialness of it. And so thinking of that celebration and how absolutely can you bring on the massive, purposeful, joyous, and planned celebrations let's do that. And those do often come in those milestone moments at different markers. It was fantastic to make that return to Miami and to have it pull that thread of specialness through for my 30th birthday. Absolutely fantastic. And to have this daily dose accessible on whatever scale that might be. And with those who are willing to participate. So just seeing that and commemorating. Seeing what about it was the most special. What parts do come up? And it's the moment itself and it's the touching emotions of being walked down the aisle by my mom and my uncle and my brother and to walk toward one another and to have our siblings with us and to have our nieces all present at that time and to have that sharing of the experience all beautiful and key parts of it. The beautiful words of my uncle talking about marriage as a marathon, not a sprint. And also it's the silliness around it. It's the meals that we shared and the games that we played and jumping or being pushed into a pool and losing the wedding ring on the night and reclaiming it. Although it since has been actually, interestingly, (laughs) we can say lost to the shore at the beach here in Traverse city, but perhaps right. Returned to its origins and, noticing the impermanence, right, of that, the symbolism, yes, and also that the union continues beyond some of those physical and man-made symbols. So many interesting opportunities to explore there. So if you are in the space of creating an anniversary, of celebrating an anniversary, of commemorating a certain event, what if you looked at the frequency of it, the scale of the celebration, the location? And are there ways it can be ever more available to you in the daily? And could that celebration actually enhance your experience of it? So from there, I'd like to step into these five C's. And some of them have come up in their own independent podcast episodes in the past. And I'd like to just bring them each through for a moment And see what emerges. It feels like the right next space to enter as we work through the activation process. And it's so interesting to have that phrase keep coming through, work through and explore, expand, invite, emerge, whatever it might be. I'll I'll be looking at what words fit in that space. And the one I'll break through first is creativity. And seeing that in the celebration or commemoration of a particular event, how does creativity come through? What are some ways that might make sense for you to celebrate that might not be typical? You might not have seen it done that way anywhere else. And instead, it's a space for you to begin to craft opportunities for celebration to emerge. How can you get creative with celebration and with commemoration? What are some ways you have seen done And what are some ways you might offer up as a new opportunity? So today, we got creative and we went to the beach, right, on a kind of blustery, but not particularly frigidly cold November day. And we went into the water for 121 breaths, right, which is 11 times 11. And that was the celebration of the anniversary. There were other components as well. We also shared a team workout that happened to be programmed today as a team of two, Right, gift of the universe there. And we were able to step into our strengths and push one another, encourage one another to contribute to that whole. And that actually brings through another sea of collaboration. So even in that effort, we were able to literally share the reps, right? 29 reps each round. It was a hero wad and I can put the link to it in the show notes. And, Taking turns, right? Literally sharing the load that was to be carried in that space and then running together, which was so fitting as we looked at marriage as a marathon right? and taking those steps together so we could share and trade off who was in the lead, who was pushing, who was encouraging, how we might have been bringing the other forward, how we might have been helping the other to see where we were headed and what was possible. So there's collaboration happening in that moment. And so how can you creatively right, step into collaboration? And how is collaboration a way to commemorate and to celebrate a unique experience, a success that you are having? And then seeing how those lead us into connection and finding the ways that we can relate to one another. And if I think about 17 years in a marriage and 20 years into a relationship connection between connection beyond, right? We have children and we have extended family and friends and we've been in different locations and different work, just seeing how connection emerges and the importance to of being connected to oneself. And that one sometimes can be the first on the chopping block, right? To be the first to fizzle out because there is so much focus on the other and the others and the other things and the outside tasks that we can lose sight of what it is that we need and want. And it was so interesting. I offered up in a conversation the other day, the word deserve. And there was such a beautiful quote about it by Esther Perel recently that I'm not going to get right. And that's okay. I'll see if I can research it and offer it up in its you know proper formality, but I'll offer what came to me from it was that idea of deserving something, whether it be a gift, a reward, some day off, some food, whatever it might be that we feel deserving of, or we're justifying that we are deserving of, it is claiming this space of having to earn worthiness or earn reward. And instead, considering how we might simply own our needs or our wants, right? I'm choosing this because I want it. And now this isn't a selfish space or a claim it and take over, right? It's not just, this is mine because I say it's mine and claiming it that way. This is speaking to that deep personal sense of need and want, tuning into it and allowing yourself, welcoming yourself, encouraging yourself to need or want something simply for that fact, because you would enjoy it. And again, it comes up for me. This is not to say at the detriment of someone else or ignoring anyone else's needs or wants. That's not what this is, right? This is simply you tuning into you, connecting to you and letting that come forward. And also recognizing that it might look different than what someone else even or especially your partner needs and wants. And that's okay. There's no requirement for that. And if we can come through that, and we're just segueing through the seas as they present themselves. If we're able to tap into that sense of connection, connection to self, particularly, how does that offer to us a more reliable means of access to contentment? And that is the fourth sea we explore here. And noticing that contentment is often on the horizon and out of reach for us because we think something. It's other than it should be, right? We might think, oh, it didn't have to be this way or why did they do that? Why did I do that? I should have, I could have, I would have. And that can lead to a lot of discontent and frustration. And contentment often arises when we say, oh, this is precisely how it's meant to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, right? This is right for me. And you might have a modifier of right for me right now, right for me in this particular situation, and being able to tap into connection and that deep sense of knowing of self and being able to connect with others and be willing to hear from them what they need, recognizing that you're not responsible for meeting all their needs, right? But listening to them, acknowledging them, hearing them can be so powerful in and of itself and deciding right, if it's within your capacity, in that moment to meet them is a conversation worth exploring and doing so out of connection can offer you a direct pathway to contentment because the thought and the response becomes this is right for us. We are on the same page. We're in the same space. So just beginning to see where contentment might be eluding you and where it might be Lurking, that word comes up for me, if we're willing right, to turn and to look and to see, and to see, S-E-E, through these C's of being creative, of honoring collaboration, of noticing and contributing to connection, and of welcoming the opportunity for contentment. And the fifth C that we review frequently in the activation process is the C of confidence. And you might think, how does that relate? doesn't seem like it's in the same boat with all of these. But it can be an underpinning, just as they all are. They can all relate to one another and serve as both the foundation and the idea to be launched from the others. That confidence is a space of self-trust, of trusting your capacity to tune in to your connection, of trusting yourself to listen in for contentment and to own it, to be able to have it. In having the confidence to be creative and try something that hasn't been done by someone else previously and confidence that in collaboration, you'll be true to yourself and honor and encourage others to be true to themselves in that space. So confidence is really woven through all of these and the one that's not in the five C's and we've heard others celebrate, commemorate C's are all around us is the sea of curiosity and it's not on the page in, in the bullet point list of these five because it transcends them. Right? Curious is the space that allows us, that invites us to engage with any of these, all of these, in all kinds of combinations, with all kinds of energy and attention and focus. So curious is that sea that keeps us going. Right? S- curious is that sea of continuity and clarity bringing us through each and every moment. And if you think about curiosity in the context of the anniversary and of celebration and commemoration, curiosity allowing it to free us from how it should be, from mapping out a specific trajectory as to where it's going. And this isn't discounting planning per se, but it's allowing there to be this openness, this expansiveness in the experience. Say, so I'm really interested and intrigued to see what's next. And that can free us from that sense of, it better go this way. We should have been here by now. I can't believe it's like this. And I've had those thoughts over and over again. And what I notice is they're part of the source of the discontent, the lack of confidence, the disconnect, the muted Creativity and the unwilling or resistant or resentful collaborator. And so staying in that space of curiosity, which really eclipses the room that might remain for judgment, allows me to say, wow, right? Where is this going? And I never imagined it would be here, not in a, I never imagined it would be like this, but wow, right? This is beyond anything I would have imagined. And what more is possible? And not more in it needs to be better than it is, but more in the opportunity and expansiveness and opening that emerges. And so curiosity will be the sea that really fuels and holds on for forward movement. And forward movement, also, I want to just say, while being in the now, right? So taking this now moment into the next now moment. That's the forward movement about which I am focusing. And so as we take a moment to celebrate and to commemorate, I invite you to think about a recent anniversary or an anniversary you can create, right? And see how your creativity comes through See what your role in collaboration might be, how you might understand collaboration differently than another, where connection is arising and where it might need some nurturing, some patching, some bridging. What might be standing in the way of your contentment and how you could open that valve, right? clear things out and allow it to flow through and where confidence might be for you and look into those spaces where it is easily accessible, owning that. And seeing if you can bring the why of that confidence being present to where you are now. And through all of this, let's practice celebration. Let's commemorate that which we have accomplished, not for checking the box or crossing the finish line, because in that metaphor of a marriage being a marathon, it's not about the finish line. And sometimes you might cross one in your marriage. And that is okay, too. And you might sign up for another. You might not. You might take a long pause in between. I've been there in the literal marathon racing, right, lying on the ground with video evidence from my husband saying, don't let me do that again. That was a terrible idea. And then some years passed. And then I said, wait, right, my heart, my body, my spirit are ready to do this again. And so should you cross finish lines in your marriage, that is okay, too. And whether it is that race that's continuing to go, the one that has paused, both of them are about who we are becoming in the process of taking those steps, right? And so there can be finish lines, there could be did not finish, right? And seeing even in any of those outcomes, what emerges as the strength built through the process of engaging, and recognizing that's not about the result. It's most definitely about the journey. And sometimes you're going to feel great, at Those opening miles, oftentimes. Sometimes you're going to feel tired. You might need to walk. You might be in the lead sometimes. Your partner might be. Sometimes you're on the sidelines and you're cheering, right? Sometimes you're doing the lifting and sometimes you're needing to be carried, right? All of those can be part of the process. And celebrating isn't always in the personal best time right, or the volume of races run. But it's in the act of being there, being in it, being part of the process. And so on this anniversary, I send out my love and my gratitude to my husband for these 17 years and the three prior and those that will come beyond and renewing that vow to celebrate in the everyday on that shoreline and to recognize what's available in each and every moment I thank you for taking this detour if you will with me and we'll come back tomorrow and resume the activation process in those next three episodes and then we'll see there's some really great things in store for that 10-day arc as I shared with you as we move into that messy middle of this month, which is actually looking to be quite beautiful. And both are totally possible. And maybe seeing sometimes where those beautiful messes might be in your life and how we can celebrate those too. This is Dr. Amelia Beeky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.